Welcome to VHS. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Cassie. Each time we find it in our schedules to record VHS, we watch (laughs) and discuss, sometimes for the first time, the top grossing film from that week, 21 years prior, what's changed about our viewing experience, and what hasn't. Our movie this week is The Birdcage. By comparison, the current number one movie in America is Boss Baby. (laughs) I think it'd be interesting to like to take a look at like have has the American movie going audience's taste changed? So a little less drag, a little more animated baby voice, Alec Baldwin. Gross. So The Birdcage, however, was distributed by uh, United Artists, and it debuted at number one on March 8th, 1996. So you can see when... You can see we're a little bit late on recording this one. (laughs) But we're we're almost in the clear because it stayed at number one for four weeks. That's impressive. It really is. And Mm -hmm. it's like partly because the competition wasn't very good, but also I have to assume because people really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, why not? It's got a good cast. Has an amazing ca- cast, and everyone mm-hmm. loves Robin Williams. Well, most people love Robin Williams. <laughs> and, uh, you love him or you hate him. Probably no one is indifferent to Robin Williams. That's true. He's he's very in your face, whether you want him there or not. Is, is the question. <laughs> sometimes I want him there. And sometimes <laughs> I want him to take a break. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of people were like, Nathan Lane, where have I heard? Oh, he's that fantastic meerkat from The Lion King. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see him. That His actual fantastic, face. Fantastic meerkat. <laughs> I loved that meerkat. Gosh. His name's Timon. Come on. I know. I know that. I'm putting myself in the feet of some ignorant uh american <laughs> pursuing the movie listings what should we say nathan lane nathan lane where do i know that name <laughs> you never see pumba in anything though i don't know who pumba is like who voices him pumba voice <laughs> ernie sabella mm. ernie sabella has done a lot of Lion King adjacent movies. <laughs> of course he has. <laughs> as well as some TV work. And he basically does a lot of Pumbaa voice work. <laughs> He's really name- made a name for himself with Pumbaa. Maybe that's his real voice. Like Nathan Lane can do a lot of voices, mm-hmm. so you don't hear him and immediately think, hey, it's Timon. But... <laughs> Maybe this guy is just is Pumbaa. Maybe. We'll never know. We'll know if we watch an episode of Blue, Blo- Blue Bloods called Holdouts from 2015. Oh. He also played Let's look it up. He also played Murray on The Good Wife. I do not watch that show. Maybe I can ask my mom. Please do. You can be like, <laughs> is is Pumbaa on that show? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask her. I'm gonna ask her the next time I talk to her. You'll know him because he he'll clear the savanna after every meal. 
even uh, without Pumbaa, the Birdcage grossed $18 million, over $18 million its opening weekend, and uh, would go on to gross nearly $182 million worldwide. So pretty big hit. That's that's way more than Rumble in the Bronx or <laughs> Up Close and Personal uh-huh. earned in their opening weekends. <laughs> Much wider <laughs> audience for this, yeah. this film. Um, Which is great. It's good. Yeah, well, like you mentioned, it's got a huge cast of stars. It's got Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Diane Wiest. And uh, even in smaller roles, we've got Callista Flockhart, uh, who probably wasn't a star at the time. Christine Baranski. And, uh, of course, in his second appearance on VHS, Hank Azaria. Ooh, I love Hank Azaria. Everything he does is amazing. Yep. (laughs) One of those people that just has, like, the straightaway right to my funny bone, like, anything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just just makes me laugh. Because in this movie, you don't see his face at first. You don't realize who the actor is. (laughs) And you can't recognize him by his voice all the time. So you just see his butt in his short, (laughs) short jean cutoffs. Uh He's got a great body. That this se- this sexual object is most is lack. <laughs> <laughs> it is both. <laughs> that's what that's who I by default like to relate Hank Azaria to. Even though he did a ton of voices mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in The Simpsons, <laughs> he's he's Mo. He'll always be Mo. That's who you compared him to when we were talking about Now and Then. Yeah. <laughs> also, a very different role from this. <laughs> he's got really like if there's one thing he's got it's range and a hot butt (laughs) and abs he's got yeah Uh, he was great i think he stole every scene that he was in (laughs) i think i mean it was hilarious in the movie but it would be i can see how it would be a really fun play because yeah farces are so much fun when the like the crazy stuff is going on on stage and the audience is getting really worked up and mm-hmm. the, the, the actors are feeding off of it so they're doing all their <laughs> crazy ridiculous stunts and yep falling all over the place <laughs> yeah in the dinner scene when um armand was getting upset because like obviously everything is going wrong they know something is up the only thing that was really that wrong was what was going on with um Agador Spartacus was the only <laughs> thing that was super off. Everything else would be like, these people are kind of weird, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's this butler who seems not to know how to walk. <laughs> <sighs> Visual gags are so much fun to talk about in an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> he fell down. <laughs> but it was the way he fell down. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. know how shoes work. <laughs> he never wears them because they make him fall down. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. Um, just rounding out the stats, the birdcage was directed by Mike Nichols. Um, also director of The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Pretty legendary actor oh. or director. I did not realize he did comedy, but he's... I didn't know it was a famous uh, director either. <laughs> well, now I want to watch a ton of his stuff because 
like, well, I know I love The Graduate, and this is amazing, so there. Mm-hmm. ergo, he must be good at everything. <laughs> All of his movies must be good. But um, I had seen that the, the screenplay, so this is originally a play, La Cage and it was adapted for this movie version by Elaine May, and that rang a bell for me, but I had hmm. no idea where to place it. So I looked her up and realized, or remembered, I guess, I had seen it somewhere. Mike Nichols used to be in a comedy duo with this lady, Elaine May, in the late 50s. Like, they broke up in 1961. Um, Oh. They were, like, pretty edgy, satirical comedy. Hmm. Still pretty funny. You can find some Nichols and May skits on YouTube. They're pretty fresh. Holds Mm -hmm. up pretty well. Yeah, the one you showed me was pretty funny for something that occurred in 1960. And also still relevant. Totally. In a sad way. Yeah. Larry (laughs) David must have watched a decent amount of their work. Yeah. Just watching the repartee between Nichols and May, that's a Jerry and Elaine vibe going on. Absolutely. Um, I wonder if she, the character was named after her? I would guess so. Yeah. If not, it's an uncanny coincidence. Yep. Maybe Julia Louis-Dreyfus is just her, like, spiritual twin, but they have <laughs> the same, same mannerisms. Yeah. It was pretty weird. But but really good. Um, Maybe I'll post it on the Facebook page so all of our many fans can see. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> The likes will come rolling in from our loyal social media following. <laughs> oh. um, if you don't know the story of the birdcage, here it is. A gay couple, a drag club owner played by uh, Robin Williams and the, the club's star performer, his partner uh, played by Nathan Lane, uh, meet their son's fiance's ultra-conservative family. A sort of... Uh, moral majority ripped from the headlines type of type of figure Mm -hmm. and hilarity ensues it certainly does hilarity and some some heartfelt sentiment yeah you gotta have that a little bit with the hilarity did you have any expectations going into this movie or had you seen it previously No, I actually had pretty much zero expectations other than I knew that Robin Williams and Nathan Lane were in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was really all I knew about it. Yeah, I was looking forward to it because my my parents went to see the Broadway play a few years ago and really loved it. Like even Tony really enjoyed it. (laughs) So I knew it had to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but as for the specific subject matter, I was kind of wary. Like I was on the lookout for stereotypes. Like, yeah, just over the top, flamboyant gay character, and like, mm-hmm. especially because it was such a commercial success. It's like, uh, did people like this because they like liked laughing at gay people? Yeah, in the mid nineties. Well, I don't, I don't think it, it got into territory where it was like, oh, we're laughing at these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read a few reviews where it was like, they thought they kind of 
watered down, like the drag club, like having so many uh, heterosexual people around to mm-hmm. make it more normal. And the relationship between Robin Williams and Nathan Lane was also kind of watered down. Like they were clearly very, uh, very good friends, yeah. but they never really referred to them like each other as like lovers i think they even like yeah. called each other companions yeah I guess. It was like which he's is fine. my he's my friend or something is what yeah um, says to the sun at one point mm-hmm. um yeah they're more like bert and ernie type <laughs> lovers yeah <laughs> they kind of just tiptoe around it which is yeah. weird because there's also a really touching scene mm-hmm. where, like, um, they're sitting at a bus stop and uh, they, Robin Williams gives Nathan Lane some papers to sign to make the club pretty much half his so that they're partners, which I guess is the closest thing that they could get to an actual marriage. Yeah. Uh, and it was very, very touching, the conversation around that. Yeah. But yeah, I I could see how people would not be cool with the kind of watered downness of it. Yeah, I could see that, but at the same time, they're playing a middle-aged couple. Like Robin Williams' character says that he's 50. Yeah. I'm not saying middle-aged people can't have any physical passion in their relationships, but they're partners who've been together a really long time. They work together, they raised a kid together. Mm-hmm. I think companionate love is pretty, pretty much the goal. There. Yeah, like and as far you're... as that goes, they're pretty strong. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They like... do know how to deal with each other very well. Yeah, I was constantly impressed by Robin Williams <laughs> putting up with Nathan Lane's, frankly, hysterical behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any other way to describe his behavior at certain points. I should have kept track of how many shrieks. (laughs) It got to the point where I would just start laughing whenever I heard him shriek. (laughs) It was a lot. I'm pretty sure he called himself hysterical on several occasions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He knows it, which I can Mm -hmm. relate to. Sometimes act over dramatic and hysterical, and I'm aware that it must be very annoying, but it's just just how I feel. Mm, got them feelings. Gotta let them out. Nathan Lane's character seemed to me, and here's here's why I didn't think it was it, uh like a a gay stereotype because he was acting more like an actual woman. Yes, that is true. <laughs> like a middle-aged lady gadding about town, visiting the market, <laughs> buying treats for her son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I I think uh, Robin Williams at one point even says, "You're not a woman," <laughs> and he gets <laughs> mad about it, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> potato, potato. Well, Gene Hackman agreed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> Just delightful. A delicate, sensitive woman. <laughs> so I guess you did not see this when it first came out. 
Um, no, not that I can remember. All the only stuff I really remember is the stuff from um, it's clearly from the commercials. Mm-hmm. There's that one very brief scene of uh of Robin Williams doing his crazy like pastiche of um I don't think pastiche is the right word, but doing his crazy like medley of dance mm. impersonations. Mm-hmm. That yep. seemed like something they just put in there to put in commercials and be like, look, it's Robin Williams doing his Robin Williams thing. <laughs> Don't you want to see this? You love that genie. You love oh, this doubtfire. <laughs> just- yeah, which is weird because he was not like over the top and in your face Mm-mm. throughout the rest of the movie. He was very uh, reserved, which was uh, good... Uh, against Nathan Lane's character. <laughs> yeah, if they were both at full volume, this movie would have been unbearable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was you know, more he was more in the mode of like this movie was kind of like Mrs. Doubtfire in that he got to play his serious family man aspect with some mm-hmm. with some crazy physical humor thrown in there. With some drag thrown in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there was no, um, Robin Williams was not dressed like a woman at any point in this movie, was he? No, no. He was, uh, he had his, 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 uh, chest hair on full display oh, most right. of the time. <laughs> he, yeah, just because he wasn't in drag doesn't mean he didn't look pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So many billowing <laughs> silk shirts the voluminous the... pants yeah they looked comfortable yeah he was straight up wearing pajamas to the beach yeah if that's how they're living in miami gotta get down there oh yeah let's go all right well, this, <laughs> well i wish we had been invi- invited to go on that uh mama links road trip would have been perfect. Drive on down to South Beach. Let's just plan on doing this when we're in our fifties. All right. I don't. I don't have time to go to Miami right now. But um, (laughs) can we just play uh, "We Are Family" on the entire drive down on loop? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Great. That's what I want. Put on your wig. Put on your silk kimono with a tiger on it. Get a big old phallus necklace, I guess, is what he was wearing. I couldn't I couldn't quite tell, but it, it had to be something like that. Because when the sun was pointing out all the phallic things in their house. <laughs> he pointed to the <laughs> necklaces. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> and he didn't even point them all out. Like once you start looking, they're literally everywhere. <laughs> it's just a style. Come on. I, I guess it's probably, I wonder if it's like when people know that you collect something, they wind up giving you a whole lot of it. Like, oh, I don't know what to get Armand and Albert <laughs> for Christmas. Like your mom with bunnies. Yes, there was that. Oh, that was such a thing for so long. And my mom with cats. So yep. probably yeah. the same for these two fellas and wieners. <laughs> Oh man, I do. Did you like the the decor after they fixed everything? <laughs> fixed, yes. 
fixed. <laughs> After they made it far more suitable for a home that people live in. No, it was it's literally just a like concrete room with six <laughs> chairs that looked like they're from a church uh-huh. and then a giant crucifix. How gay people imagine straight people design their homes. <laughs> Maybe not all straight people, but probably conservative like white dudes, I would say. Yeah. Well, their house in the beginning, the um Senator Keeley's family home is like a straight middle-aged person's dream according to movies from the 90s like it was like the house from father of the bride it's like the McAllister's house it's like oh yeah um, center hall colonial yep some bricks to be fair that's also like a house that i would love to have so (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) shows shows how influential interior decor is on a young girl Mm, I would say I will say that I would love to have a bathroom with the wallpaper that was in in their their gay apartment with the like I don't know is it like jungle themed yeah 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 oh god that was very pretty yeah Um, I like that sneak some dicks in there too (laughs) (laughs) some knickknacks all around your bathroom Dicknacks. I mean, if they're going to go anywhere, that's the most appropriate place for them. <laughs> that's the time that they should be out. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Oh, yeah, I guess there are other occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever do you mean, Cassie? <laughs> other occasions. Um, you mean by the wet bar, of course. Poopin'. Pooping. No. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. This is indecent. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing that people should be hearing about on the radio. Well, when are we going to have some poops? sort of moral caucus come in and legislate <laughs> this filth? <laughs> I loved the this whole like satire around that family. And how ridiculous that uh, everything they did was. Yeah, was that was another one of the uh, the markers that made me like made me uh, chill out with like being on the lookout for gay stereotypes. Was like the <laughs> the senator's family was also so over the top conservative. <laughs> they were a stereotype. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That scene where they're uh, eating breakfast and watching cable news, uh, and, <laughs> and it's just like a panel of people screaming at each other, and like Diane Weiss says, like, "Oh, this is such a this is an excellent program," and Gene Hackman's <laughs> like, "It's the most intelligent it's the most intelligent show on television." <laughs> just at each other's throats. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty great. My grandpa used to record those shows. Every Saturday and Sunday, he would record the news. And I think he actually might have recorded the news every morning. And then just watch it all. Stay up on on his news. What? All the PBS news hour. Actually, not news hour, but like the morning interview shows. Like, oh, fucking the McLaughlin group. Oh. And probably meet the press, face the nation, that kind of stuff. Is it because he couldn't watch it when it was actually on? 
and he wanted yeah. to watch it later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, you yeah. Meant, like, not to like he would sit there and watch it while recording it, and then watch it again later. <laughs> I hope not. I really hope not. No, I think it was more like he would record it and then tape over the VHS tape oh, okay. after he had watched it. That makes sense. That's yeah. just DVR from yeah, the 90s. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He yeah. would like make his massive breakfast and watch hours of news. Fun. Yeah. In a living room, not not terribly different from what you would see in uh in this movie. It really, <laughs> really spoke to me. The jungle print, right? That's what it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> the center hall colonial. With wallpaper. Oh, boy. Not a ween in sight. <laughs> but uh, speaking of things that conservatives like, did you uh, do you like the shout outs to Jeb? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. I thought like, me over with a feather. I, I was like, wait, people knew who Jeb Bush was <laughs> in 1996? It's a pretty niche reference. And I, I think it's probably just a thing Floridians knew about because in um in Roger Ebert's review of this movie, he mistakenly calls Jeb Jed. Oh yeah. Jeb can't catch a break. I was excited the first time he was mentioned, and then when it kept coming up, it just got better and better. <laughs> uh, why was he mentioned? I forget why. I just started laughing when I heard his name. Um, because Callista Flockhart's character trots out the fact that Jeb lives near near South Beach. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah, hmm. it's like a cover for how, look how respectable they are. They live two miles from Jeb Bush. <laughs> that means it's okay. <laughs> I wonder if Jeb is aware that he's mentioned in this movie. Oh, he must. I think he's probably okay with it. Yeah. Gene Ackman's in it. He's That's a respectable true. guy. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I bet the Bushes are big Gene Hackman fans. They probably are. Big hackheads. I mean, they probably love him so much because he looks so good in drag. <laughs> which which bush do you think would be most likely to dress in drag? I don't mean like which bush do you think would be a drag queen, but like for a charity benefit or something. If they had like, if someone was like, come on, do it. Which one do you think would be most likely to? Oh, that's tough. I'm gonna go with W. 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 Yeah, I think he's. I think he's got a good sense of humor. Oh, you know what? Under all that other stuff that he's got going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what? You're right because um, W was a cheerleader when he was in school. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. Yeah, I, yep. I bet you he already has dressed in drag. He was in a frat in the '60s. Oh yeah, totally. And you know, I I think Jeb would do it, but his pride has been hurt so many times. I wish Jeb would just let loose. I wish yeah. he would go full Jeb, whatever that is. Does he even He's know? He's gotta do it. He's just gotta do it. Stop stop asking people to clap for you, Jeb. You have to clap for yourself. Oh god, you just brought a <laughs> tear to my eye. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, Jeb, if you can't love yourself, <laughs> how in the hell you can love anybody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. 
I was pretty pretty blown away by how fresh some of the politics seemed in this movie. Yeah, they they referenced a lot of uh issues <laughs> in a very <laughs> short period of time. They did. <laughs> Blew right through them. Yeah, like <laughs> it went lightning round. Cuz that's not the point of the that's not the ultimate point of the movie. It's not like no, no. trying to make a big political statement. They're just weaving that stuff in there. Makes it more relatable and funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the uh, abortion conversation. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so while Nathan Lane is, is in drag, pretending to be uh, the actual mother of... What was his name? Val? Val. Val, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, gets into political conversations with uh, the senator who has taken very fondly to her. As... <laughs> she's an old-fashioned gal. She's, she's, good. Just, she's a housewife. She's a classic housewife with good homegrown values. So clearly they agree on, on the abortion issue. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I think Mrs. Coleman... Takes it a little farther than <laughs> the senator, even. <laughs> the senator advocates killing. Well, he doesn't advocate. He just sees where where pro-lifers are coming from when they murder abortion doctors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Got to kill um, them doctors so that they can't get an abortion. Yeah. Just root it out if, if no one's around to uh, to commit the to perform the abortions then surely no one will have them anymore but mrs coleman is even more pragmatic about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well that's ridiculous the doctors are only doing their jobs if you're going to kill someone kill the mothers that'll stop them why not and i know what you're thinking that'll kill the fetus too right but it was gonna get aborted anyway <laughs> ha, 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 ha. just throw the baby out with the bathwater. God. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like they threw in uh, this this uh, political discussion just to freshen up the play a little bit from the original. Yeah, French that one does seem about right. Yeah, which I mean, it was funny, so worked for me. Yeah. I think it was the appropriate amount of politics to inject into the movie. Well, like, Tu Wong Fu has pretty much nothing political in it. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty prominent criticism of that movie, is that you're talking about... Talking about a marginalized group of people and not getting political mm-hmm. at all. Just, like, perennial argument anytime you want to... Yeah. In- wade into a discussion like that in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that it modernized the material. It definitely places it at a certain point in history, which is good for us, looking mm-hmm. back on it 21 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, you would think it would date it, but not a whole lot has changed. No, it, yeah, no. Senator Keeley could be a character, a senator character today. Yes, even down the, to the fact that he's from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I noticed that too. <laughs> um, the fact that these days, um, in these days, I guess the baby would have just been adopted instead of being from some cockamamie one night stand. Yeah, um, probably. That was a little strange. Yeah, that whole scene was like, okay, just 
pick it up. I don't need this exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, more more chest hair fondling. Exposition. <laughs> yeah, this movie is at its best when when the characters are being absolutely just ridiculous, and that's what they do with the political discussion. They make it ridiculous so that it's funny. Yeah, because it's not a farce. Serious. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. I also liked it when it was really heartfelt, though. I thought it was not. It wasn't corny. Think Robin yeah. Williams and Nathan Lane are such good actors that when they were with each other and when they were with their son, um, the the emotion really touched me. That's true. I mean, the, if they didn't have that, it could just become completely ridiculous. And then, you know, you wouldn't really care about the characters that, uh, that much. And it wouldn't be as funny. So I think, I think that it works well with the... The heartfelt moments, too. Ah! So do you think the title of this film could be the title of an action movie? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a question that we addressed on our, on our lost episode about up close and personal. Mm. And the, deci- the verdict there was yes. Absolutely. I... I think this one could also be the title of an action movie. It could. I think it could, yes. Not a good one. No. But I could definitely <laughs> see it happening. Okay. Brief brief dis- description of plot of the birdcage. <laughs> um, I think it's about a POW or oh. someone who has otherwise... Someone who's been imprisoned for some reason. Sort of like a Bane <laughs> situation. You went like, way smarter with it than I did. Oh, God, I can't wait to hear yours. <laughs> I'm thinking like a deer hunter or Bane situation and someone mm-hmm. has to fight his way out and kill mm-hmm. all of his captors until he flies to freedom. <laughs> that sounds like, that doesn't sound like a bad movie. <laughs> Mine sounds like a bad Let's have it. movie. <laughs> okay, so I went very literal with my <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> It's a it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland and people mm. fight to the death in the bird cage and there's a <laughs> giant horrible oh, no. mutated bird oh. that lives in the cage and Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to kill that bird with his bare oh. hands. Okay. The bird cage. So it's like Logan's Run kind of or kind of wait. Mad Max situation, Thunderdome, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, you got a Thunder Thunderdome situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that could also happen. <laughs> I haven't worked out all the details around how the birdcage became assembled or why why it's a thing, but it is. Well that's something that you would address in the sequel. <laughs> the first one would just be the fight. So, like, people fight to the death against the bird or against each other, and then the loser's fed to the bird. Hmm. I don't know. We'll have to storyboard it, see what I'm works. I'm imagining, yeah, Schwarzenegger's, like, the, the messiah who's going to kill the bird. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's and a weird religious everyone. thing. Like there's a weird religious cult that's that loves the bird. 
Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, so like maybe you want to win the fight so that you can die in glory being mm. eaten by the bird. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know why Hollywood has such a problem putting out original films. We just <laughs> came up with two. Two great premises. <laughs> in fairness, mine was essentially individual scenes from a couple of different <laughs> movies blown up into a whole movie. Hey, you so know we that's haven't... super... Go ahead. Super stressful scene from uh, the Deer Hunter that everyone hates to watch. Mm-hmm. What if that were a whole movie with none of the other parts? <laughs> that sounds like a new hell on earth. <laughs> Here's the thing: he escapes from that cage, wanders down the street to the closest city, and they're engaged in some weird bird sacrifice ritual. <laughs> He has to fight his way out. He goes, out not of the again. bird cage. Out of the bird cage and into the fire. <laughs> Escape from the bird cage. All right. I think we really fleshed this one out. TM, TM, TM. Any Hollywood types that are watching this can keep their mitts off. Yeah. No, it's ours. Oh, we should come up with a whole like slew of VHS uh screen pitches. Screen yeah, I don't know what they call them. Pitches, I guess, is all you call I'm thinking, it. I'm thinking I'm thinking we should scrap our whole premise up until <laughs> now and just do this. Okay. <laughs> premise well, for a film. This has been VHS. Hope you've enjoyed it. We're gonna be doing this other thing now. <laughs> Terrible ideas for action movies. Based off of love, based off of titles of movies that already exist. (laughs) (laughs) How about up close and personal? Uh, Oh, you go in so many directions with that one. Oh, I think it's a horror thriller about a young up and coming reporter who cuts off her protege's face and has it sewn (laughs) onto hers. Whoa! (laughs) She gets up close and personal. Or an older reporter who steals a younger reporter's face and puts it on hers. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> oh God. I don't know. I don't know if any any studios will be in for any kind of face swapping thing because, you know, they've already done a perfect yeah. a perfect mm-hmm. movie on that premise. I don't know why any studios make any movies after Face Off. <laughs> That's true. How much icing does a cake need? <laughs> ah! So I think it's safe to say that we both really enjoyed this movie. Oh, for sure. It's pretty great. It's a pretty fun time. If you haven't seen it and we haven't ruined it for you, then you should go watch it right away. But if for some reason you don't believe us, the movie experts, we've got a second opinion for you, courtesy of the internet. (laughs) An IMDb user who foolishly provided his real email address. Who does that? Lots of people on IMDb. What? I hope they get hate mail. (laughs) Anyway, what what did he have to say for us? Having seen the original, watched The Birdcage, and then seen La Cage Folle again, period, 
I can positively state that this is a very pale shadow of the original. What did the great Gene Hackman think he was doing in this garbage? <coughs> Robin Williams, of course, you would expect to see in trashy films, and he fitted in well. <laughs> oh, suck a an egg. <laughs> Thanks, Internet. <laughs> movie to jeb's house yeah that's a great idea one a day (laughs) one a day (laughs) until i don't know